It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today I am joined by the Locked On Steelers podcast host, Tony Serena. We're going to be talking about the Steelers offseason as well as their 2018 regular season expectations. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, founder of FileFans.com, one of the longest running Falcon websites on the internet. Of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. You can find me on Twitter at FileFans. I am joined by Tony Serino, Locked On Steelers podcast host. You know him on Twitter as Steeler Country, longtime podcaster. He's joining me today. We're talking about the AFC North, getting familiar with these teams that we are very unfamiliar with this offseason partially for my own benefit so that early in the season when we play the Steelers, I'm not completely uh, oblivious to what's going on in Pittsburgh, but also for your guys' benefit because we get so few interactions between the NFC and the AFC every couple of years. And it's just, you know, there are interesting storylines going on elsewhere in the NFL. But uh, all that being said, welcome to the show, Tony. Aaron, thank you for having me. I am, I am excited to talk about this game. It's one of, the, I think, one of the biggest games of the year, to be honest. Yeah, I listened to one of your recent episodes when you were breaking down the schedule, and I think this illustrates exactly what I'm talking about with this sort of unfamiliarity. You were breaking down, you know, the different quarters of the season, and you talked about that section uh, where the Falcons and Steelers play in week five, and you spent, you know, I didn't, you know, no, there's no offense, but you spent like maybe like three minutes talking about the Falcons and like 15 minutes talking about the Ravens, and that sort of shows sort of like you can't do these deeper dives Uh, with these teams that you're just not as familiar with. You know them by reputation. Obviously, the Falcons have had a lot of success in recent years. Obviously, the Steelers have had a lot of success over the last decade. But you don't really know the intricacies of what's really going on with these other teams. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, look, the, the Ravens are have been the, the Steelers' nemesis for so many years. And so that's a huge game. And that comes right before this game with uh, you know Steelers-Falcons. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk today and, and yeah, get to know more about the Falcons. And, and I, again, I think this is... This is one of the biggest matchups. I, I don't know. I don't know the Falcons schedule. I haven't seen it yet. But for the Steelers, this is really the barometer game early on. The, the Falcons are definitely the best team the Steelers face uh, within the first five, six weeks of the season. Yeah, this is going to be a big one for the Falcons as well. They got some division games early in the season. Obviously, they opened the season against the Eagles. So it's, it's not as if the, the Falcons are, are jumping right into the shallow end uh, early this season. But this is going to be a game that's going to be a, a pretty big litmus test because you look at their schedule and, and the Steelers are, you know, you know, I'm sure you agree, but the Steelers are a team that's widely considered to be a strong playoff contender, widely considered to be a potential Super Bowl contender in the AFC as one of the consistently one of the top teams. And so how the Falcons sort of test themselves against the Steelers with that offense is going to be a really big challenge because one of the big questions surrounding the Falcons this year is going to be how good is their defense and they'll definitely get tested against that Steelers offense. Yeah, no, the, the Steel, you know, Steelers offensively have been this, you know, this juggernaut on paper, right? The the Killer Bees, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown on the field that really, you know, it's been 
it's been hit or miss. And, you know, the Steelers have talked about wanting to be this 30-point-a-game team uh, offense, right, that they want to go out there and be this high-flying team. You know, last year, especially the beginning of last season, the first eight games, the Steelers offensively were very shaky and really were a, you know, held together by their defense. It, it got much better as the season went on, but, you know, the defense kind of fell apart. It's funny to hear you say that the Falcons are going to be looking at this season as how good is our defense because that is very much the storyline of the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. This offseason has been all about how are we going to replace Ryan Shazier now? Who's going to be the playmaker on defense? They have all this young talent, but who's going to step up? You know, Pittsburgh has traditionally been this, you know, steel curtain defensive city, and it has flipped in the last couple of years where defensively they've been very shaky, but offensively uh, they've been much better. So, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that the the uh, the Steelers are feeling the same way. And so going up against an offense like Atlanta early on, we're going to find out just how good is the Steeler defense. Well, it's interesting because you, it seems like these two teams are very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, you You know, the Falcons brought in a new offensive coordinator last year in Steve Sarkeesian. The offense took a, a, a bit of a step back last season um, from its sort of record-breaking season a year before under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, that's going to be another big question. Is this offense going to sort of bounce back this year and, and get back to the top of the league where they were sort of like, I think, 14th in scoring last year after being you know number one the year before and being one of the, the top seven, I think, all-time offense, scoring outputs all-time. Um, you had the Steelers, who had a long-time successful offensive coordinator in Todd Haley. You mentioned sort of the struggles. They've now switched to, to Randy Fitchner. Um, but you also mentioned the defense. Um, I'm curious. So let's talk about the offense a little bit at first. I, I guess mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on sort of the expectations that Fitchner is going to bring to the table? Long-time quarterback coach there. Um, is he going to be able to maintain? Is he going to be able to improve that offense, as you say, and be more of that high-flying, you know, Putting, dropping 30 burgers on every team this year. Yeah, that is that is the hope, right? And so I think Steeler fans are coming into this offseason with, yeah, it's a, it's a little, you know, it's a little scary because Todd Haley, like you said, had a ton of success, right? We came off of the the end of Bruce Arians' uh, term as, as offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, the, the offense was good and getting better, but it, it wasn't what it is today, right? It wasn't the high-flying offense that we wanted it to be. And so Todd Haley came in at an interesting time. He and Ben Roethlisberger seemed to, you know, bang heads early in their, you know, in their relationship, and then it it worked out, uh, and we had a couple very good seasons offensively. But last season, you know, and, and who knows how long this had been going on for, how long this had been brewing underneath, but there was something going on between Haley and the offense, and specifically Ben Roethlisberger, that just seemed to get worse and worse as the season went along, and you would have Ben making these comments after the game about, well, you know, you got to talk to the offensive coordinator. I'm not going to answer questions about that. you got to talk to Todd. Uh, and it just, you know, that that kind of passive-aggressive mm-hmm. thing between your quarterback and your offensive coordinator, you can't have. So that's why the Steelers made the change there with Haley. You know, they really just let him go. His contract had expired. I think the nice thing about getting someone like Randy Feekner, uh as the offensive coordinator is that he's been around the organization. He's been the quarterback coach. He has a great relationship with Ben Roethlisberger. And so hopefully, I think the hope that Steeler fans has is that he's not going to change too much. And that's, I think, what he said so far is like, I'm not going to change too much. This is an offense that already works. He's going to put his spin on it. Um, but the hope is that we're just going to have more stability. Todd Haley was a interesting play caller. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, there were times where the play calls weren't what you would expect at the time. We ran a, a pitch play on third and one against the Jaguars last year that had Steeler fans shaking their heads all offseason. But 
Uh, I think ho- hopefully we're gonna we're gonna get better play calling, but the same style of offense and plays that Ben Roethlisberger likes calling. Uh, Le'Veon Bell at the Pro Bowl said about Todd Haley that he would call plays on third down that Ben just didn't like, and so yeah, again, that's that kind of bang in the head that we talked about. Um, I'm hoping that play calling is better, but the 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 playbook itself doesn't change too drastically. And then the other thing offensively for the Steelers is Le'Veon Bell and the usage of Le'Veon Bell, and this is. You know, we're recording this, what, July 8th, so we're a week away from Le'Veon Bell's decision. If he signs a long-term deal, I actually think we're going to see less of Le'Veon Bell in 2018 in an effort to keep him healthy, right? Le'Veon Bell has had so many injury problems. I, I think if, if the Steelers do sign him long-term, you're going to see more of James Conner, the, the Steelers' uh, draft pick from a season ago. Uh, we'll see more of potentially someone like Jalen Samuels, who the Steelers drafted, this season, more of an X-Factor type, a Percy Harvin type, uh, but he plays running back. Um, I think you're going to see I think you're going to see more of Le'Veon Bell out of the passing game and less of him as a runner. He had 320 carries a season ago. Uh, that's just not sustainable you know, to take that much punishment uh, you know, for, for a running back like Le'Veon Bell. So now if he doesn't sign, then I think you know, uh, Mike Tomlin has this quote he used for Willie Parker uh, when Mike Tomlin first took over. He said, I'm going to run Willie till the wheels fall off. Willie Parker broke his leg in week 15, so um, yeah, the wheels fell off. Yeah, I, I, I think with, with Le'Veon, I think you know Mike Tomlin's going to do the same thing. He's just going to run Le'Veon until the wheels fall off because you know I, th- this is the end of the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell if that contract negotiation doesn't uh, doesn't work out in the next week or so. Yeah, I, I, my next question was going to be about this Le'Veon Bell contract situation, and, and I guess. This might be a little bit more of a 2019 rather than a 2018 question because it's definitely going to be there. But uh, before we get to that, I do want to plug LockdownSports.com, the one-stop hub of the Lockdown Podcast Network, uh, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, so Tony, let, let's talk a little bit about this Le'Veon Bell situation, uh, particularly with the contract. It's funny because, like, when you know the Falcons are sort of dealing with their own sort of disgruntled superstar in terms of his contract right now, and Julio Jones. Yeah. Um, and so people, you know, early in when it became a thing, people started to panic. And you know, I, I'm sitting here like, hey, it's not a big deal. You, you look at the Steelers; they seem to be dealing with a disgruntled superstar every offseason for pretty much you know the last five years, whether it was Antonio Brown a couple of years ago, now Le'Veon Bell. We talk about Ben Roethlisberger with sort of his passive aggressiveness and his sort of like saying, I, I might retire next year. And, and it just seems like there's always some sort of off-season drama with one of the, the Steelers uh, superstars every single year. But I'm curious sort of, is there a, a, a feeling that if, if this Bell deal does not get settled uh, before this you know mid-July deadline, um, that this might be his last year in Pittsburgh, and um, you know what does that sort of mean for this season coming up? Yeah, so I think I think it's a, uh, I think it's almost certain that if he doesn't get a contract by July fifteenth or sixteenth, whenever that deadline is, I think it's definitely his last season. He has 
uh, gone. Well, I don't want to say it's gone public, but he, you know, he puts out these mixtapes every once in a while, and, and his lyrics on there always talk about how, you know, he, he he originally I think he had a lyric where he wanted 15 mil a season, then he upped it to 16, then there was a report that he wanted 17 million a season. Le'Veon wants to reset the market for running backs, and he's right in that running backs seem to be well, they're they're undervalued just from a you know we've seen, we we saw that season or two seasons where the no running back was even taken in the first round. That, that's kind of flipped now, but but the contracts haven't matched that yet so we haven't seen running backs get the big paydays you know the biggest payday I think we saw this offseason was like Jerick McKinnon making like seven and a half or whatever he gets you know Le'Veon wants to reset that market and start getting running backs paid uh like Adrian Peterson got paid back in the day so he wants his you know whether it's 15 16 17 million dollars a season he talks about wanting to get paid like a running back and a wide receiver which isn't is fair, right? Because Le'Veon Bell, what he brings to the table is not just being a great running back and all the things you want a running back to do, both uh, running the football and you know as a blocker. But he's also a very, very good uh, player out of the backfield as a as a receiver. So I don't fault him for wanting the money. The question is going to be: Can the Steelers afford to give him that money? Is it smart to give a player like Le'Veon Bell fifteen, sixteen million dollars a season over the course of a four year deal? Uh, I think the Steelers' calculation has been no, right? It's not going to be smart for us to make that deal. Now, there was word last season that they had offered him a little less than that, let's say, you know, 13, 14 million a season, and he said no. So this may be close, and we may see a deal in the next week, but if it doesn't get done, uh, he's definitely gone next season. He's going to go find somewhere else uh, next season to play where he can make that money, right? Because I don't think that he's going to have a problem finding a team that's going to pay him 16, 17 million a year. The question is going to be can he go there and win? Uh, so that's that's kind of the hope is that maybe he he takes a discount to play for the Steelers, who are going to be a perennial Super Bowl champion or a Super Bowl ch- champion, Super Bowl contender. Um, you know, as far as 20, 20, uh, 2018 and, and how we're going to see Le'Veon Bell again, I think if he signs, we see less of him. They try to you know they try to keep him healthy, try to keep him upright because they're going to need him for the next three or four years. If they don't sign him, I think you're just going to see the same thing we always see with Le'Veon, which is the Steelers are just so reluctant. To take him off the field. Last season, they had this guy Terrell Watson. The Steelers had uh, their third running back, who they wanted to use on on short yarded situations, third and one kind of thing. And they used him maybe I don't know five or six times that way, and then just immediately went back to Le'Veon because Le'Veon's very good on third and one. Uh, the same can be said about James Conner. You know, they they wa- they wanted to have these kind of James Conner drives throughout the season where you would take Le'Veon out and put put James Conner in for um, for a drive or two. And again, that lasted five or six weeks, and then it was the, the entire Le'Veon Bell show uh, for the rest of the season. You know, the Steelers are just he's, – he's the best running back in football, or if not the best, one of the best running backs. And, and the Steelers are so reluctant to take him off the field. It, it's why – but it, it is why he hasn't finished a season healthy. Uh, well, last year was the only year he's finished the season healthy in his entire career. Uh, so, you know, I, again, I think, I think if they sign him, we see less. If they don't sign him, he's going to be the featured runner on – Pretty much every play. Okay, so clearly with vested interest in Le'Veon not doing particularly well against the Falcons, I'm hoping that he does get signed so that there's a chance that they, <laughs> uh, you know, at least take give him a breather for at least one or two series in that game. Yeah, that that would be the hope. And and, and the guy they have behind uh, him, James Conner, who was a rookie a season ago, interesting player. You know, he's he um, he came out of that draft a season ago where there were just so many good running backs in that draft and. He was kind of middle of the pack there. All the best guys, Kamara, Hunt, had all gone 
before. Uh, James Conner is an interesting running back. He, he showed some sparks. There's been so much talk this offseason about the body transformation that he's gone. You know, these rookies coming in don't understand what, what, it's gonna, what it takes to be an NFL player. And they learn that in year one and they try to transform their body. James Conner sounds like he's made that transformation. So he may, he, you know, he may be a different player, but I will say this. Yes, you are right. If, if Le'Veon's not on the field, uh, the, the Falcons are in luck because James Conner to this point hasn't been, um, hasn't been even, even close to a, a starter-capable back just yet in his career. Well, you know, I, I went to Pitt many years ago, um, and so I, I'm very familiar with James Conner. Obviously, he's been, you know, one of the better players at Pitt over the last couple of years, and obviously sure. had, you know, the issue with cancer and, and wondering if, you know, now being a little bit longer removed from that, that he could be uh, sort of maybe making that transformation. I, I think it's interesting that you have a sort of a history of, of Steelers running backs making these big leaps in like years two and three, uh, including Bell. Uh, as well as going all the way back to Richard Mendenhall uh, back in the day. So I, it, there sure. is a sort of a, a pipeline, I guess, or, or a continuity there where you get these guys that maybe come in a, a little bit lukewarm early in their careers in Pittsburgh and then sort of turn it around a, a couple of years in. Um, but that in mind, speaking of young running backs, I'm also curious sort of they drafted Jalen Samuels this year, and he was a guy that I potentially had my eye on for the Falcons uh, looking for sort of this hybrid fullback, running back, slot receiver, H-back type of player. I'm just sort of curious, Do you, uh, there's been any talk of how the Steelers plan on using Jalen Samuels, how he's going to fit in their offense moving forward? Not not just yet. He's such an interesting player, right? I, 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 I Like you, I was I was enamored with him in the pre-draft process, and, and uh, I was surprised that the Steelers took him. But I guess I shouldn't have been. You, know, you look back, the Steelers have had guys like uh, Chris Rainey. Uh, they took Dree Archer. Uh, a couple years back, these kind of those were more speedy backs uh, that they could potentially use in kind of a hybrid role uh, and also a kicker punt return role. I don't know that Jalen Samuels is going to fit into to a special teams role, but certainly as a as an X factor on the offense, as just another player that defenses have to worry about from time to time. He he's he's intriguing, but again, we go back to are they going to be willing to take Le'Veon Bell off the field, or at least who are they taking off the field? to put Jalen Samuels on the field. Um, I think I think for Samuels, this may be the case of the Steelers drafting someone preparing for life without Le'Veon Bell a year from now, right? As a rookie, I think they're going to hope that Samuels just kind of develops uh, a little bit, but I don't think he's going to see the field much in his rookie year. I think if Le'Veon doesn't sign, then the Steelers have someone next year who they're, you know, I think they're going to go with a, the NFL now is all this, you know, two back, uh, league, I think they're going to go with the same kind of thing. Maybe Connor's your your starter. Or maybe they get someone else to be their starter. But then Samuels can be kind of a third down X factor guy who they can bring in from time to time to make some plays. But rookie, you know, for his rookie year, the problem he's facing is he has to get Le'Veon Bell off the field, and I just I don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think the interesting thing with the Falcons and sort of how they match up with the Steelers, I've been talking about. We, the Falcons recently picked up Ron Parker, the safety from Kansas City, and one of the things that we've been talking about on this podcast uh, over this offseason is maybe the Falcons utilizing a little bit more dime now that they've beefed up their secondary. They got the cornerback out of Colorado and Isaiah Oliver in the second round of the draft and in using more six defensive backs uh, on the field. And, you know, the Steelers was one of the matchups I looked at this season where it seemed to make a lot of sense. Uh, you mentioned it earlier, sort of because Le'Veon Bell is basically like a fourth wide receiver in that offense and the Steelers, you know, are very effective at using their three wide receiver sets 
in, in large part to Antonio Brown and, and the emergence of Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, getting an extra DB on the the field to, to basically try to basically treat Le'Veon Bell as an extra receiver, I think makes a lot of sense uh, for the Falcons, as, at least from a schematic, trying to match up with the Steelers' offense because they do present some of those unique challenges. Um, I'm also sort of curious looking at their skill position players. You know, they traded Martavis Bryant, got some value for him this offseason. Obviously, I don't know if you can call him a net loss just because of how little he's sort of contributed the last two years. Um, but, you know, you picked up a guy like James Washington. Um, is this going to be a year where James Washington's going to be asked to carry a lot on his plate as a rookie? Or is this, you know, the bulk of the heavy lifting in the passing game going to be carried by Antonio Brown and Juju? I think it's still going to be Antonio. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be Antonio and Juju, no, no doubt about that. But you're right in that James Washington is going to have to contribute early because, you know, the trade for Martavis Bryant, I think it was the right one in that they got a third round pick for it. So they they had to make that third, you know, third round pick for for Martavis Bryant. Um, that that's great value. Now, what happens though is that you know Martavis, you're right, he didn't bring a lot to the table. A season ago in 2016 he, he was suspended the entire year but you go back to the tape in 2015 he was spectacular that year mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was tremendous and so we've all as Steeler fans just been waiting you know okay well at some point he's going to turn around turn around you know he had that he never did turn it around I, he, he was better and better as the season went on but he never was the player that he was in 2015 and he came with that kind of baggage of asking for a trade twice um so we get rid of him. It adds uncertainty in in that uh, we don't. I don't know what we're getting out of James Washington, right? He's a rookie. The Steelers have had very good success finding wide receivers. I mean, they've become the Steelers have changed from a linebacker factory, which is what they were when I was growing up in the '90s, to today. I mean, they're a wide receiver factory. You just take a young wide receiver, put him on the Steelers, and he's guaranteed to become uh, some form of a star, right? And we saw that last year with Juju. James Washington, I think, you know, he reminds me a little bit of. I shouldn't say he reminds me of Mike Wallace. He's a very different player than Mike Wallace, but he he brings the same things to the table that Mike Wallace did in that he's a very good deep threat. And that's what I think the Steelers need from that position. If James Washington is going to play the outside along with A.B., and you're going to put Juju in the slot, right, and so he's just going to take the role of Martavis Bryant, then as long as he's able to keep defenses honest in you know making sure that uh, you know they're respecting his deep game. I think he he'll bring a lot of the same things that Martavis brought to the table a year ago, and so we won't be worse. But there is a you know I just talked about this on our we did a wide receiver preview last week on on Locked On Steelers. You know, look, the rookies again, you don't know what you're going to get. So there's there's a version of this that plays out where the Steelers aren't happy with what they got out of James Washington, and so what you'll see then is the Steelers having to start J, uh, Justin Hunter at wide receiver, uh, who the Steelers signed from the Tennessee Titans last season. You know, Justin Hunter's been a guy who's been around the league, and um, everyone's been waiting for him to kind of make the leap, right, because he had so much talent coming out of college. And he's been, you know, if you hear reports out of training camp a season ago and minicamp this year, everyone talks about how Justin Hunter looks like this phenomenal, he makes all these incredible catches, but you just never see that on the field. But it it very much could be the case that, especially early on, we talk about the the Falcons-Steelers game, I would not be surprised if early on in the season, James Washington is not the starter. James Washington is just a guy that they bring in when they want to go deep or when they want to threaten to go deep. That early on in the season, it's actually going to be Justin Hunter starting on the outside opposite of Antonio Brown 
and then you'll have Juju in the slot. Otherwise, if they again, there's also a version of this that plays out where Justin Hunter isn't any good. And so in that case, I think you'll see the Steelers put uh, Juju on the outside opposite of AB. And then in the slot, it'll either be Eli Rogers, who the Steelers have had the last couple of years, a, 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 a decent slot guy. Uh, he was much better in 2016 than he was in 2017. He's coming off of an ACL tear he had against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so he he could be ready for the regular season and could be ready for this game against the Falcons. If not him, the Steelers have this guy that's been in training camp the last couple of years and been kind of the training camp wonder, um, uh, Marcus Tucker, who looked very good in mini camps and OTAs and may be the slot receiver there. So wide receiver outside of those top two that you talked about, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, we know those two guys are going to be the focal point. Um, but outside of them, there is a lot of question about what what is the what is the look of the Steeler wide receivers going to be in 2018. Yeah, I think I think these things are important for that Falcons Steelers matchup, at least from a Falcons perspective, because obviously you know those top two guys are going to be the focus of the Falcons when it comes to their pass defense. But sort of looking over that first month of the season, if that number three guy does emerge, whether it's James Washington, whether it's Justin Hunter, will sort of change how the Falcons you know, or could potentially change how the Falcons decide to match up. Because if that third guy is a legitimate option for Ben Roethlisberger early in the season, then, you know, I don't know if the Falcons can do the thing that, at least on paper, seems like the smartest strategy. Because if you're going to be so focused on slowing down Antonio Bryan and, and Juju, you know, you probably want the Falcons' two best cornerbacks and Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford on those two guys and shadowing them throughout the game. We saw four years ago, back in 2014, you know, you know, Antonio Brown really did give Desmond Trufant a little bit more than he could uh, potentially handle in that game. But I, I'm sure Desmond Trufant certainly going to try to answer the challenge. And then if, if Juju's going to be spending a lot of time in, in the slot, I don't know if that's a great matchup for Brian Poole. Um, and you'd r- rather have uh, Robert Alford on him. And so, you know, the Falcons last year didn't really shadow guys all that much. That was something they did in previous years under Dan Quinn. But uh, I think specifically for the Steelers team, um, if – you know, if the focus is, if you know, 90% or, or whatever percent of the passing game goes through Juju, um, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, then the Falcons are basically going to have to gear their game plan to stopping those guys. And it'll be interesting sort of see how the Falcons sort of schematically try to um, get those guys. And I do think shadowing those guys in particular, this is one specific matchup this year where I think shadowing is going to be the best strategy. So one of the reasons why I was curious sort of looking at those wide receivers is if any of these guys are going to merge, that could certainly change the, uh, the arithmetic or, or whatever on how the Falcons scheme. Cause if one of those guys is a legitimate threat, like a James Washington going deep, then, you know, maybe the Falcons can't necessarily rely on Alfred and Trufant to, to basically go toe to toe with Juju and, and Antonio Brown. Yeah. I think the other player we should talk about is for the Steelers offense. or the other player Falcons fans should be, should be um, worried about is, is Vance McDonald the tight end the Steelers have, who they got from the the 49ers uh, a year ago, right at the end of preseason, uh, they traded for him. An upgrade at tight end, no doubt about that, but, you know, he got injured, and he's been injured uh, his entire career. You know, he's he's had these injury problems, never played a full 16-game season. Last year, he only played in 10 games, and really, out of those 10 games, was only had any meaningful snaps in two of them. Uh, And then he did, he had a game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs that was you know, kind of a breakout performance in, with him in the Steeler offense. I have maintained for the past three years since Heath Miller retired that if the Steelers were to bring in the, the tight end since he, the Steelers drafted 
Heath Miller had changed, right? They drafted Heath Miller to be a blocking tight end who could also be very good in, in the in the passing game, right? And he was a uh, you know, he wasn't a superstar at tight end, but he was always very good. But if you know when you looked at the guys like Rob Gronkowski and Jimmy Graham and the, the kind of these super athletic tight ends that we started to see around the NFL, the Steelers signed Ladarius Green right after Heath Miller retired. And I thought, holy cow, Ladarius Green is gonna you know could be not gonna be Rob Gronkowski or Jimmy Graham, but he could be like Rob Gronkowski light. And if you put that in an offense surrounded by Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, that this offense is gonna hum, right? Now Ladarius Green got hurt and concussions and couldn't make it in the NFL. He had to uh, end up retiring because of those concussions. But now they bring in Vance McDonald, who, not as athletic as the Darius Green, but but just as good in the passing game, I feel like. And certainly in an offense where, like you said, the the focus is going to be on let's stop Antonio Brown, let's stop Le'Veon Bell, let's get to Ben Roethlisberger, let's not let him have all day to throw back there because he's going to make things happen if you do, right? That's where the focus is going to be. Then the focus now also going to go on Juju, if you know, if the Steelers can get Vance McDonald and get him healthy, I think he is the forgotten man when we talk about the Steeler offense that can really hurt teams. He did that to the Jacksonville Jaguars in that playoff game. He had uh, what was it, ten catches, 120 yards, something like that, um, and big yards, big third down yards. Uh, you know, easy catches to wide open. Uh, he's a guy who can really change the Steeler offense in that it won't have to always go through Antonio Brown, always go through Le'Veon Bell. Uh, gives the Steelers another option and another thing for defenses to think about. Yeah. Um, I do want to wrap up uh, in a bit, but uh, since I have Tony here, I might as well go ahead and plug the Locked on Steelers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where you can find uh, Tony breaking down the Steelers, getting you guys prepared uh, for the training camp as well as the regular season. Check out Locked on Steelers. Again, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Uh, so let's let's turn our attention a little bit to the defense, Tony. And, and you know, um, you mentioned it earlier, sort of. And, you know, I too, my father and my older brother are Steeler fans. So I, I grew up somewhat in a Steeler household. Uh, growing up in, in, you know, long, long line, you know, decades long pipeline of linebackers coming through that Steeler defense. Obviously, Ryan Shazier suffered the uh, tragic injury last year. Um, you know, they didn't necessarily do make it a priority to get, you know, a stud to replace him. John Bosick seemingly was their biggest addition. Uh, the biggest change on the Steelers Defense seemed to be at the safety position where they brought in veteran Morgan Burnett, drafted Terrell Edmonds in the first round. I'm curious, sort of thinking, are, are there thought process that, you know, Burnett is a guy that's comfortable playing towards the box. Terrell Edmonds is a freakish athlete. Are they sort of looking at either one of those guys sort of being their scissor stand-in, as well as the possibility that now you look at the Steeler defense and it's less uh, the linebacker core is sort of the strength that has always been the case over the, the many decades and it seems like their defensive front now is really the the strength of that defense. Uh, and so I'm 
curious sort of what are your thoughts on on this year's Steelers defense and maybe some of the challenges it could present a team like Atlanta? I have no idea what to think about the Steelers defense in 2018 because they were they were such a team of two halves a year ago. The beginning part of 2017, they actually played well, though they were playing against offenses that weren't, you know, they weren't the top in the league. Once they started facing offenses, not only were the top in the league, but also they just, they just started facing any decent offense. They were giving up 30 plus. It felt like every game. Um, yeah, 2018 is going to be interesting for this defense. It's, it's, uh, you know, I think a lot of Steeler fans are going into 2018 worried about this defense because, like you said, we didn't prioritize inside linebacker. I shouldn't say we didn't prioritize. But there was a lot of rumors that the Steelers really coveted Rashawn Evans in the draft, but Tennessee uh, went and got him. So uh, that just, you know, that that just didn't happen. And by the time the Steelers picked at 28, there were no the top inside linebackers were already gone in the draft. You know, John Bostic has been projected as the starter, you know, for Ryan Shazier, right? The replacement for Ryan Shazier. But it sounds like coming out of minicamp and OTAs that Tyler Matakavich, who was a late round pick, the Steelers took out of Temple uh, two or three years ago. He sounds like he's actually going to be the starter at inside linebacker at this point. Uh, probably an early season starter. Maybe Bostic works his way in, or that'll be a training camp battle. As far as Morgan Burnett and what he's going to bring, you know, a lot, I think, uh, like you said, a lot of, a lot of, People think he's going to play near the box, and and he's going to be more of like a dimebacker type. Um, yeah, no. If you listen to Steeler coaching staff, they say no, no. We like we like Morgan Burnett. Tomlin talking about that he's probably going to start as the free safety in 2018. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, Sean Davis is a player the Steelers took uh, two seasons ago in the second round, who had a lot of hype, uh, a lot of athleticism. Looked very good his rookie year. Had a you know a, a very down year in 2017. A lot of question marks about him. He's been playing strong safety so far. It makes sense for him to move to free safety, but it would be his second position change in three years. He he started the, uh, with the Steelers as a nickel corner and then moved to safety and now would be moving or moved to strong. Now be moving to free. Um, the Steelers are moving Bud Dupree from the right side to the left or the left. I, I always forget right side to the left. Uh, in, in an effort to to make him go against the, the quarterback's blind side because the Steelers feel like he had so many sacks a season ago that he would have had if the quarterback hadn't seen him coming. And I got to say, I went back and watched a lot of Bud Dupree snaps, and I don't know what I, I don't know what season the Steelers are watching that, but I didn't see it. I didn't see it a season ago. Um, you know, the, the Steelers' best defense is going to be their offense in 2018. That's really going to be the case. Uh, I am so interested to see how the Steelers' defense matches up against the Falcons because everyone talks about you know who, how are the Steelers going to defend Julio Jones the Steelers go up against AJ Green two times a year and not to say that AJ Green and Julio Jones are the same player but they are the same type of big play threat big receiver physical um you know the Steelers have had some success in defending AJ Green what they don't do well what the Steelers don't do well is they don't defend well against teams that can spread them out that have a ton of weapons especially weapons out of the backfield like Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Um, uh, who's the Falcons had in Hooper? Austin yeah. Hooper. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they just have so many weapons. They add Calvin Ridley, which is you know the rich getting richer offensively. Um, I'm really interested to see how this defense matches up. Like you talked about with the with the Falcons defense wanting to play more dime after the draft. Every Steeler fan was saying, "Oh, okay, we're going to play more dime in 2018. That's why we took Edmonds because we want another dime guy who can." play close to the box and we're gonna have Burnett be that role and okay you just bring it and we, we drafted Marcus Allen same thing right it makes a lot of sense and yet you hear 
the Steelers coaching staff talk. And no, we're going to be playing, excuse me, the same base defense that we've been playing the last couple of years. So again, I have no idea what to think about this team, but I think a game like Atlanta early in the year, it's a home game for the Steelers. So they should at least play a little better because it's home. But I'm interested to see how this is because if it, honestly, if the Falcons were to throw 40 on the Steelers, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't, especially early in the year. I have no idea what the Steelers are doing defensively. And, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pessimism in Pittsburgh about where the, not only where this defense left off getting getting uh, beat by Jacksonville by giving up 45 points, but the moves that they made in the offseason to try and improve this defense doesn't seem like we've made any sort of leap uh, talent-wise. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned sort of Julio Jones and A.J. Green, and I know Falcon fans may ruffle at that, but, you know, you, you're right. And the, basically, this, you know, whether you consider those guys to be on the same level or not is – a different conversation, but the basic rules that you as a defense have to play when it, in trying to defend those guys are roughly the same. You know, it just depends on how effective you are at executing those things. Right. Um, I think the thing, you know, that'll be interesting to watch is you talk about sort of pessimism. It, there's a similar sort of pessimism among Falcon fans when it comes to Steve Sarkeesian with sort of how disappointing the offense was. It, you know, they, they, shoot, they, you know, there was an expectation that they would regress a little bit from, their sort of record-setting pace in, in 2016, but not to the degree that it was. And we saw early last season sort of them sort of struggle. They, they started to figure it out towards the end of the season. Then they sort of had some offensive line injuries late in the year that sort of seemed to set them uh, astray a little bit down the stretch in, in, in the playoffs. So um, it'll be interesting, I think, to see whether this offense is clicking early this season. That's going to be a, a big question um, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, one of the big questions is how good this Falcons defense is. And the reason why that's, you know, one of the chief topics is generally speaking, people are a little bit more optimistic about the defense than right now with the offense. And the offense is a, a major, major question at this point. You know, the expectations are they will improve in the second year under Sark. But you mentioned some of the issues that the Steelers have from a personnel standpoint, and you're right. Um, particularly if the Falcons can do a better job of getting guys like Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman involved in the passing game. There seemed to be chunks last year where they just, you know, throwing the ball to the running back just seemed to be not part of the Falcons offense, particularly with a guy like Tevin Coleman, who's arguably the fastest player on the Falcons uh, entire team and, um, you know, can really create some you know, mismatch problems, uh, particularly for a team like the Steelers. Now that they're, they're losing a, a player like Shazier, who would probably been a perfect option to try to, to go one-on-one -on -one against them. And, and, you know, are they going to have to put a safety like Terrell Edmonds, who, you know, is very athletically gifted, or a Morgan Burnett, or are they going to put a cornerback on them? And so those are the, some of the challenges the Falcons can potentially present to a team. And it'll be interesting to sort of see if, you know, this year in 2018, rather than not necessarily the case in 2017, whether Sarkeesians can be better able to sort of take advantage of some of those mismatches. Yeah, yeah, no, the, the, and especially I think he can take advantage of mismatches in the middle of the Steelers' defense, kind of the middle of the field of the Steelers' defense. It's been a real problem for the Steelers. Even with Ryan Shazier there, uh, the Steelers had a, had a real problems covering running backs out of the backfield, covering little underneath stuff, uh, especially over the middle of the field. Uh, their cover, too, just breaks down right in the seam, right? And so that's why I brought up the tight end, um, was Austin Hooper. I, I know – the Falcons used him. Early. I don't know. I don't know how much play he got in Atlanta a year ago. I know he had a big game against the Bears. I remember that game because yeah. uh, he had that that huge catch. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if the Falcons can can 
uh, utilize the middle of the field, especially uh, down the seam, uh, they will they will have success against a Steeler defense that does not cover that well. Uh, the other question I have is how is Matt Ryan against the blitz? Because Keith Butler, our defensive coordinator, loves to do this thing where if a quarterback is even decent against the blitz, we just like to bring no pressure, rush three, rush four, sit everybody else back, uh, and give quarterbacks all day to throw, which is a which I think in a matchup like this is a recipe for disaster for the Steelers. I feel like I'm I don't know like now that you asked me now I'm put on the spot, I'm like, how is Matt Ryan against it? Like my general thought is he's pretty good because I don't feel like I've had to worry about the blitz all that much, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, wasn't there a game like a year or two ago where the Falcons really struggled against the blitz? Oh no. You know what I'm thinking of uh, now that I'm, I'm jogging my memory. 2016, they did have some issues against the blitz. I think that was not a, a non-issue last year. Um, you know, I think part of that was due to the fact in 2016 under Kyle Shanahan, he was so focused on, you know, those chunk plays that he was willing to sort of be a little bit more aggressive um, you know, or maybe a little bit more lax with his protections. And, you know, the the Falcons would, you know, be a little bit more susceptible to the blitz that year. Um, but, you know, it wound up balancing out because they were dropping 40 burgers on anybody. Um, yeah. Last year, it seemed like they, um, I think one of the, one things that you can certainly say about Steve Sarkeesian's offense last year was that they did a much better job trying to protect Matt Ryan and, and keeping him upright uh, rather than, he, he took a lot of hits in 2016. That's, you know, one of the things that was, very underrated about that season. You know, people talked quite a bit about how great the Falcons offensive line was with the addition of Alex Mack and, and others. But Matt Ryan, I think was wound up over the course of that entire season, including postseason, wound up getting hit like 130 times in that season. And, and that was something that they really worked and maintained the curb last year. Uh, it, it became a little bit more problematic again, as I mentioned at the end of the year, just because Matt got a little nicked up. They lost Andy Levitri. Uh, those last couple of weeks and in the playoffs and you know his replacements weren't quite good they were starting a rookie in Rush Schweitzer at right guard who seemed to struggle a little bit down the stretch uh, part, maybe partially due to a knee injury um, yeah, they've sure. sort of replaced him with Brandon Fusco so I don't think the blitz is you know sitting here today now that I'm thinking about it I don't think the blitz is going to be a major major concern for the Falcons uh, going up okay. against the Steelers. Yeah, the, no. The reason I ask is because the Steelers led the league in sacks a year ago, right? And it's been you know, it, it, it's been this badge of honor for the Steelers, right? That we you know we Blitzberg is back, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I will say, and I think a lot of Steelers fans will tell you the same thing: it the way the Steelers got to leading the league in sacks in 2017 is not repeatable. In, I don't I don't feel like in 2018. You know, they had their double their one double digit sack guy was Cam Hayward, a three four defensive end, and on a three four defense where you know you're rushing. Your edge rushers are at least one of them every play. If your double-digit sack guy is a 3-4 defensive end, that's just not sustainable. Uh, the Steelers have Bud Dupree and TJ Watt, who, again, like I said, they're going to move Bud Dupree to the other side in, in an effort to get him on the blind side so he can get more sacks. I think he has, the most sacks he's ever had in a season so far is 6.5. They like to bring corner blitzes. They have this. The Steelers have this nickel corner, Mike Hilton, who's actually very quick. He's got a great first step. And so he's very quick to the quarterback from a nickel blitz. Um, so they, they like to bring that a lot. They like to bring uh, their inside linebackers on kind of a twist blitz, or I think they call it a fire blitz, whatever that is. Um, but without Shazier, you know, Shazier was such a, you know, an athletic freak that uh, he put a lot of pressure on guards. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the Steelers in, in 2018, I feel like, are going to be much more reliant on their edge rushers again to get pressure. And I think they, the Steelers know 
that a lot of what's going to happen defensively is going to rely on number one. Of course, it all runs through the passing. If you can get to the quarterback, it won't matter how bad the secondary is behind it. But it's going to rely on guys like Bud Dupree and guys like T.J. Watt really taking a leap now. Watt looked good a year ago. Bud Dupree has been a guy who's been potential, 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 but never really shown it on the field. If these guys can make a leap in 2018 and the Steelers can be a good pass rushing team, like for real, not just you know doing it through smoke and mirrors, uh, I think defensively we'll be all right. But yeah, the, to this point, the Steelers have not been a good pass rushing team in the traditional way you rush the passer with your with your edge rushers. Um, that's why I ask because the Steelers have 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 used these kind of unique blitzes uh, from whether it be from inside linebacker or from the nickel or that kind of thing to uh, get pressure on quarterbacks. And so um, yeah, if Matt Ryan is susceptible to that kind of thing, I, I think you'll see Keith Butler use it. A lot of a lot in this matchup. Okay, yeah. I look at the Steelers' defense, and yeah, I think you're right. If those linebackers can sort of take that leap, I know there's some Falcon fans that sort of wanted the Falcons to go after T.J. Watt uh, a year ago. They wound up taking Dak McKinley instead, and I, it, so far it seems to be working out for the Falcons' favor. But um, looking at that Steelers' front, you know, it's the D linemen that worry me a lot more, uh, particularly with some of the matchups up front for the Falcons, given some of the you know bringing in this new guard in Brandon Fusco, who's you know, been up and down throughout his career and having him go up against guys like Tuitt and Hayward and, you know, um, Hargrave was a guy that I was really high on a couple of years ago and hoped the Falcons would wind up taking him. They did not. And, uh, you know, feel like, you know, he, he would have been a perfect pairing alongside Grady Jarrett on the interior uh, long term. But, uh, yeah, those three guys are, are really the guys that more concern me than the outside rushers, uh, particularly – you know, I think Jake Matthews and, and Ryan Schrader are two of the better offensive tackles duos in the league and, and should be able to handle the outside guys. But if those guys do sort of make that leap, then, you know, now there's five guys I have to worry about instead of three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the Steelers, you're right. The Steelers, Steelers interior defensive line is, uh, well, I mean, they're really their defensive line as a whole is, is, is their strength on defense. It's, it's all about the Cam Hayward and uh, to its show. You know, Hargrave is someone who you mentioned. I know you're really high on him. I, I think a lot of Steeler fans were really high on him after his rookie year. Uh, he had a very good rookie year, you know, capped it off with a big sack in the AFC Championship game on on Tom Brady, and everyone thought, oh, my goodness. I mean, 20, here we go, 2017, this guy, you know, he's ready to, to become the star. And last year, I mean, you could say this about a lot of Steeler defenders, really, but last year was like, where is Javon Hargrave? Is he even on the field right now? Um, yeah, he hasn't been... He hasn't been the guy that I think a lot of people expected him to be year two. Maybe that changes uh, this season. But you're right. The, the entire Steeler defense rides on uh, Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt playing very well game in and game out. And it's been another one of those things. We talk about you know, the Steelers needing to rest guys. They've definitely tried to bring in more of a rotation on the defensive line because, again, so much rides on Hayward and Tewitt and those guys playing well. They get tired at the end of games. They, they've, they've had injury problems throughout their careers. Um, so the Steelers have guys like Tyson Alualu now. Um, we'll see if they put Javon Hargrave as an end instead of just using him as a strictly as a uh, tackle in a 3-4. Um, LT Walton. They, they, they've got some talent uh, behind Tewitt and Hayward that they're hoping uh, they can use in kind of a rotation so they don't have to be so reliant on Hayward and Tewitt. Okay. Well, Tony, is there anything else that you uh, want to discuss before we get out of here? I think we're good. I think we, got, I think we covered a... a a lot today. Yes, I, I do feel like, you know, I've been listening to Locked on Steelers for the last six months based off of what we had talked about today. <laughs> Appreciate that. All right, man. Uh, uh, go ahead and, and plug 
your your Twitter and, and some of the things you got coming up on, on the podcast in the coming weeks. Yeah, so uh, right now on Locked On Steelers, which you can find at LockedOnSteelers.com, uh, we're doing a preview uh, position by position, getting ready for training camp. The Steelers training camp opens uh, July 25th. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Steeler Country. And again, uh, go to LockedOnSteelers.com to find more uh, about Locked On Steelers. Yep, we're doing the same thing. We're now on the defense, wrapping it up, getting uh, uh, ahead of uh, the defensive previews on Locked On Falcons. And uh, for those Steeler fans out there that might check this out, you can find me on Twitter at Falcons. As I said at the top, uh, Tony, I appreciate you coming on, and I look forward to talking with you in about two months, uh, getting prepared for this Week 5 matchup uh, between the Falcons and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk then. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. All right, guys, there you have it. Uh, I thought that was going to be a 20-minute episode, but, you know, Tony and I uh, struck up quite the conversation. And uh, so, you know, I'm not going to apologize for good content. So I hope you guys appreciate that. I hope you guys uh, are enjoying this uh, NFC, I'm sorry, AFC North series that we're doing just to get familiar with some of these teams that we just don't know anything about, you know. Looking at this team, you know, it's fascinating that, you know, this might be Le'Veon Bell's last year in Pittsburgh. And, you know, what are the implications for that? Or is he going to be, you know, in FU mode? Is he going to, you know, they're going to run him to the wheels fall off? And, you know, does that mean that if you're playing the Steelers in week 15, you'd rather play the Steelers in week 15 rather than week five like the Falcons are doing for those reasons? You know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic and as well as the other ones that we touched upon. So I hope you guys enjoy this. We're going to, we're going to keep this going with the other AFC North teams. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's it guys. We'll, you know, you know where to do, hit me up. I'm at foul fans on Twitter. If it's podcast related, just let me know. And if, if it is podcast related, just go ahead and send it over to locked on Falcons. That's the show's Twitter handle. You can also email locked on Falcons at mail.com to get your feedback in Facebook page is locked on Falcons. Uh, you can also post a comment at locked on Falcons.com or Falcons.com where the show is posted daily. So, uh, there you have it guys. Appreciate uh, all the listeners, and we'll be back with more AFC North content as well as training camp uh, previews in the coming days. So, until then, you are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.